In Matthew chapter number 28 is where we're going to be. Matthew in chapter 28. Let's stand in honor of God's word tonight. Matthew in chapter number 28. I haven't forgotten that we have been in a series on Sunday nights in uh, 2 Samuel and uh, sure intend to get back to that. It's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be three weeks still. So just, just remember that we'll get back to it and remember a little bit about what it was. And, and I enjoy preaching uh, there, just interacting with James Merlo, Brother Merlo before the service as well. And they've had a good day over there at the Spanish church and uh, the Calvary Baptist church. And he's preaching. I don't know if he's preaching through second Samuel. I know he's preaching second Samuel tonight. And uh, so anyways, he was fired up about it and made me want to get fired up about it and get back to second Samuel but I think there's a little bit of work we need to do here. And then God willing, next Sunday night, I'd like to preach out of 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and just about our, our church services and what they ought to accomplish. And there's another angle on that that I'd like to take. So we've got that and then Brother Crabtree. So it'll be a little bit before we get back to 2 Samuel. Okay, uh, Matthew, 6, Matthew 28, 16. Matthew 28 and verse number 16. This is part two uh, from this morning. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. What a passage. Certainly one that we ought to commit to memory, right? And have very, be familiar with, uh, but not despise it. You know, just because we're familiar with it, uh, it needs to be front burner in our hearts and minds. So tonight, uh, part two, uh, this morning, uh, the title and tonight, uh, the commission, the commission from our heavenly king. Part one was reach them. Part two, teach them, teach them, reach them, teach them. We got a great responsibility. <laughs> it's great. It's huge. It's huge. We're going to need some help. <laughs> We got, we got access to all sufficient help. Amen. Yeah. But it's big. The great commission, the commission from our heavenly king, teach them. So this morning, I generally, um, when I preach, generally I'll have 11 to 12 half sheets of paper and to preach from notes. You might say, oh, that explains it, why it takes a good little while. Well, this morning I had uh, 16 and I got through eight. So obviously some of the messages come over into tonight. And then in addition to the 16, there was already, um, I think, 12 on this passage and this one verse. I mean, these, these are packed verses. And so I hope it'll be a help to you. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The commission from our heavenly king. Of course, I'm thinking about our theme right now, teach them and and really, um, leading even into the end of the year um, and into this new year, it was already starting to roll a little bit, you know, and people catching on to it and, and uh, getting excited about it. And I like to introduce a theme in November on our anniversary Sunday so that then we can 
kind of be thinking about it at the same time, not to take away from the current theme of standing in awe of him. And, and uh, in fact, there's even a connection to it that we'll see tonight as we get into it. <clears throat> but uh, during the break, I was reminded about the important role of teaching others, teach uh, the whole idea of teach them and uh, the great responsibility that we have um, to pass on, not, not just to the youngers, although younger generation, though we certainly would do right to think about young people growing up in home and young people growing up in this church and to help them and to teach them. Um, too many, too many in our country today growing up without guidance. That's why we are where we are as a whole in a nation, as a nation. So I was uh, riding in a plane uh, with an individual. This has been some months back, but um, he was a little bit younger than I, but our kids were about the same age. And, and we just struck up a neat conversation and he was from Louisville. And, and so we had that K Kentucky connection. And, and um, but anyways, we got, somehow we got on to, so what are you reading right now? And he was a believer and he said, well, I'm reading a book called The Intentional Father. So that, that caught my attention. The Intentional Father. Intentional. You know, I, I kind of thought, being a dad, just and maybe some others can identify this. I just thought, you know, you'd immediately know what to do. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, really, it's a challenging thing. Can I get an amen right there from somebody somewhere, right? Sound like Brother Barr right now. <laughs> amen somewhere. Somebody. The Intentional Father. So I've really enjoyed listening to it. I'm a little bit halfway uh, through the book, but he, he made the point that uh, most societies in the world have an initiation, you know, uh, from childhood to adulthood. Fascinating study beyond what we have time to get into tonight. But he said, in many ways, we don't have that in the American culture. And this individual is actually from Australia, Australia but anyways, he uh, just got to researching that a little bit. And, um, and he said, the problem today in America is that, is that young men in particular and young ladies too are growing up without initiation and they're self-initiating which means that they're, um, they're left to themselves. Well, what does the Proverbs say about that? A child left himself bringing his father to shame, right? And so there's got to be involvement there. So the intentional father. So that's got my attention and that's all I'm going to say about it tonight because there's more probably I'll say in coming weeks and I've got some ideas that are just kind of going around as we're in the early part of this uh, year with the theme that I'm thinking about uh, doing. But nonetheless, I, I was inspired there to think about teach them. Teach them. Um, first time to shave, first time to drive, first time, all those things. Teach them. <laughs> and then just in other ways, I was reminded, actually, uh, Trenton's getting ready to uh, get his permit. Mercy sakes alive. <laughs> and so we went to a, a parking lot of a, a school, of course, school's out. And so we let him drive. Uh, well, let him drive his his granddad's vehicle around. I, I guess I should have let him drive ours, but I, I just, Brother Decker was generous. And so we took advantage of it, but uh, there's a little bit more behind that than that. But anyway, it just kind of struck me that I'm letting him drive somebody else's car. So if anybody here wants to volunteer, we can also use yours as well, but just let him drive in the parking lot and getting used to it and did a great job. I was really proud of him just right off, you know, but I mean, really you think about it, 
Driving is something that we do every day, and, you, and, and the scary thing is, is that you don't think about it, right? I mean, you just get in the car, and it's just muscle memory, and, and, and you just, and you, and you get from point A to point B and hardly think about it. But when you're brand new at it, I mean, you just feel awkward, you know, as you're trying to park and get in the lines. Now, some of you still have a hard time with that. And so anyways, you got to have somebody to teach you, teach you. Uh, the, my, my mind goes back with the Copes to uh, Miss um, uh, Helen Majors at, at Meadowview. And she had a real nice, I forget what kind of car it was, a 1960s model, but a, a type of car that most teenage boys especially would love to have. But this was an 80-year-old widow lady, and she was driving this awesome car. But um, she would get to the parking lot way before everybody else did, just so she could park without any challenges. <laughs> and she was really upset when we put stripes in the parking lot, because that really just kind of cramped her style. So anyways, but you got to have somebody to teach you how to drive. I thought about it even in this regard, even just games, you know, just how to, how to play a game, whether it's checkers, you got a little one, you're teaching them how to play checkers or Chinese checkers or, or taco, cat, goat, cheese, pizza. You, <laughs> teach them. Uh, Brother Decker, this, this uh, uh, Christmas, just kind of cleared off a spot and said, hey, uh, tell us some of the greatest memories you had as, around the Christmas time. It was a great moment. You know what that was? That was a granddad taking a moment to do some teaching. These are the things that matter most. It's not, it's not the gifts. It's not those things. It's these moments. And, and he, he took some time to teach, teach them. I watched as um, uh, my mom <laughs> uh, rolled out, uh, hey, this is important, um, dumplings. Come on, America's got to keep having dumplings. You know, somebody's got to teach them how to make homemade dumplings. So she's teaching my, uh, my niece, Courtney, how to roll out dumplings. Hey, there's hope in America as long as you keep rolling out dumplings. Amen? Come on. Okay, I'm, maybe I don't have everybody with me on that one, but it was a teaching moment. Teach them. We, uh, one thing we like to do, and this time we did it on the Gaddis side. My brother said, hey, how about we uh, go shoot some guns? So we're in, right? So shotguns, rifles, handguns. And so it was a good opportunity to teach them, you know, just gun safety, uh, respect for a firearm and how to use it. I mean, it was a, it was a great as we we're shooting clay pigeons and, and, uh, and shooting targets and such. But it, it, was, a, it was a teach them moment, which, which we're still learning. We're still learning. But of all the things where it's vitally important for us to teach the next generation, how about the matters of the faith? Our Savior gave us a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He gave us what many would refer to as the Great Commission. It's great because of its size. It's great because of who gave it to us. Our Lord and Savior, our risen Savior, the post-resurrection command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This isn't the only time that he gave this to them. In fact, Mark has, uh, has an account there of go and, and preach the gospel to every creature. That'll mess up Calvinism. Rightly so. Uh, in fact, the fact that Jesus uh, says go preach everywhere to every, every person uh, throws universalism out the window. Because it doesn't mean that everybody's automatically saved. No. 
people must hear the gospel. The gospel of Luke talks about preaching the message of, of forgiveness and redemption. The gospel of John, as, as, I, as the Father sent me, so send I you, said our Savior. And so every, every gospel, and, and then you go into the book of Acts, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Hey, it's the driving force of what we're supposed to be about as a church. It's the great commission. Commission being a command, it's, a, it's an entrustment, what God has given us, a charge, a duty. We said this morning that Jesus' last command should be our first priority, our first concern. I want to re reread some of these things here just to get us all on, on track. And, and uh, what uh, Hudson Taylor said, he said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. It's not an option. This is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. This is the great commission for Southwest Baptist Church. By the way, every church that is his church is the headquarters for world evangelism. Every church, every church. This church is not more important than Lighthouse Baptist Church of Indy or, or Bible Baptist Church of Stillwater. No, every single church is the headquarters for world evangelization and world evangelism. The, the church that Brother Brewer leads and guides there is, is the headquarters for world evangelism. See, the gospel's got to go from everywhere to everywhere. Yes, it does. David Livingston said, if, if a commission from an earthly king is considered an honor, how can commission from a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? You know, sometimes we think about the missionaries and, and they do, they sacrifice so much to be away from home and America and so forth, but they need to remember, and I know that that's the attitude and the spirit of the missionaries that we're privileged to send out and support, that they're glad and it is an honor to get to serve the heavenly king on his mission field. Yeah. Oswald Smith said, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. We covered some of these things this morning. Jesus said, I want to meet you in Galilee. Let's look at our text here again tonight. He said to the 11, this goes all the way back to the resurrection scene in verse number seven of the chapter, go into Galilee. The angel told the women, go tell his disciples to meet me in Galilee. When Jesus met them personally in verse number nine, he said, go tell them to meet me in Galilee. So there's some significance, obviously, to Galilee. Uh, this morning, we identified that back in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about how that it's Galilee of the Gentiles, which means this, it was made up of both Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, and it was in the first indication way back in Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew chapter 4, that the gospel is not just for the Jews only, but also for the Greeks. And so it really was that setting that Jesus wanted it to be in, where he would give what we know now as the great commission. And so the setting was important because it pictured what they would do. So then verse number 17, it says that when they saw him, they worshiped him. They bowed before him in reverential fear and reverential awe. They, they, in fact, here's the connection from last year's theme to this year's theme. You have to stand in awe of him if you're going to teach them. 
Okay, so they stood in awe of him. They bowed in awe of him. Some doubted and And so he spent time with them and he spake to them, verse number 18, and said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. He has all authority to send us out and that he did, that he did. There are no closed countries with God. There are no closed countries. He said, all authority, all power is given unto me. And that brings us then to verse number 19. My soul, we're going fast. Is this all right? Y'all keeping up? Verse 19, go. There's a sense of urgency there. In fact, we get in trouble whenever we lose that sense of urgency. Go ye therefore, he says, because he has all power, go ye therefore. And we dealt with the word go for a good little while. In fact, I like what Bob Hughes said. He said, why wait for a call when you got a command? How about that? Why wait for a call when you've got a command? He said, some of you are waiting for a call. What's your number? I'll call you. Some of you are waiting for a call. And he said this, there's a call come ringing or the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. Hey, there's that urgency that was there. Go. Go ye therefore and teach. Okay, I want to park it right there. Teach. Okay, look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So you got word two times it says teach. But it's actually two different Greek words. Teach in verse number 19, and then teaching in verse number 20. Okay, it's interesting. The word teach, go and teach all nations in verse number 19. The verb form of this is only used four times in the New Testament. Teach them. Now the word in verse number 20, I didn't look that up, but it's used. It's the most common verb that's used. Now, uh, the word, the noun form of the of the verb in verse 19, which is teach. The noun form of it is this, disciple. Disciple, okay? Um, It was used, in fact, actually the verb is used of Joseph of Arimathea that he was a disciple of Jesus. That's the verb that's in verse 19. He was a disciple, okay? Um, So that, but that word is only used four times. Okay, wait a minute, I'm only pointing that out because of this. That must be a very significant term for Jesus to use in that context. If he only used it four times in the New Testament in the verb form, then it must be that it wasn't like Jesus was struggling for a word. No, he used the word that he wanted to use with them in Galilee. And that word is still the same word that applies to us today. Okay. Now, again, let let me, let me do a little bit more work here. The noun form of that is used, disciple is used 269 times. Okay, so there's a lot of usage of the noun disciple, disciple. Okay, now the word in verse 20 uh, is the word didaskalos. Um, and so anyways, but that, that teach or the verb form of that actually is to instruct either in an informal or informal way. Okay, so. All that to say this, why, why did he say what he said in verse 19 and how does it connect to verse number 20? Okay, I wonder if anybody's still with me here. Okay, good, great. So go ye therefore and teach. Use four times in the verb, 269 times as a noun. Could I safely say it this way? Jesus saying to his disciples, go ye therefore and teach in the sense of make disciples. Is that safe to say? Make disciples. 
And then in verse 20, he's going to say, teaching them. Not the same thing. Teach them, teaching them. Teach. Okay, watch this. Hang with me here just a minute. Teach there is the main verb of these two verses, verse 19 and 20. It is in the imperative, which means it is the driving command. Go make disciples. The word go is a participle or a gerund. The word baptizing, I-N-G word, is a participle. The word teaching is a participle. So here's the main verb, go make disciples. Going, make disciples. But the idea that going, we said it this morning, is it piggybacks onto that main verb and it's saying this, you gotta go, you gotta make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Okay. Now, why is this... Why is this word in 19 so important? Teach them, make disciples. Okay. I'll tell, you, I, I'll tell you why. Because I think oftentimes we get the Great Commission wrong or we stop short of fulfilling the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission, usually we, we think of it in this term, see people saved which is step one. We go to preach the gospel. If you take Mark and put it in here, Luke and put it in here, John, go and preach the gospel so somebody can hear the gospel and get saved. Have we fulfilled the great commission when someone gets saved? No, we have not. Did you hear the missionary? You just started. When you see them saved, you just started. Okay, well, so why, why would Brother Brewer, I mean, he was the first to answer that quiz. Why do we expect our missionaries to do on the field what we're not doing in the United States of America? That's a problem. Well, and I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that characterizes us here at Southwest Baptist Church, but neither should we be smug in thinking that we've got this down. No, I, I think it's this, that listen, we need to hear the command of our Savior who said, go and make disciples and don't stop when they get saved. You got to be tenacious about seeing them baptized and you got to be tenacious about helping them and instructing them in everything that I've given, I've given you and commanded you. So really seeing them saved is just step one. Now I know that you know that, but listen, there's a danger that we could not think about that. Okay, so let's talk about discipleship then. What is a disciple? This word that he's using, what is a disciple? And I want to ask you, are you one? That's important, isn't it? Are you a disciple? Are you a follower? Um, so back in the first century, what would happen is that a person that wanted to be a disciple would go to a teacher, a rabbi, and he would ask the rabbi or the teacher, Jewish times, would you mentor me? Would you teach me? Uh, could I be your, here's a good word, could I be your apprentice? What, what is an apprentice? There's some here that have been uh, maybe in the electrical field. I know we've got some electricians here and, and um, you're at that apprentice level. What, what does that mean? That, that means that you're under somebody's tutelage. That means that you signed on, right? 
if you're an apprentice, then there, there, hang on, there had to be an official starting point. Okay. Now, um, some of us have worked with electricity in unofficial ways and maybe even unwise ways, but I'm talking about the right way <laughs> and you become an apprentice. And so you sign on as an apprentice, but signing on doesn't mean that now you're licensed. That's just the starting point, but you got to sign on. Okay. Are you getting this? A person's got to be saved, but being saved is like signing on. And that's just the starting point. So the idea that Jesus had is not just to see them saved and going to heaven, but they need to be like him. Go teach all nations, make disciples of them. So what would happen then is that a, a person would come to a teacher and say, could I follow you? Could I shadow you? Could I go where you go? Could I learn from you? In this case, the master teacher of all, Jesus, came to others and said, I want you to be my disciple and follow me and spend time with me, okay? Now, I wanna, I wanna work a little bit more on this word. It means, this word teach means to make disciple of someone, cause someone to become a follower, not forcefully. We can't do that. It's not our approach there, but to urge them, to help them to get started, but a disciple, Warren Wiersbe said this, a disciple attached himself to a teacher and identified with him, learned from him, lived with him. He learned not simply by listening, but by doing. Jesus said, go and teach all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Encourage them to become a follower. Now, does this take away the need that we have to preach the gospel? Absolutely not. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to teach them that they're sinners, teach them that there's a price on sin, teach them that Jesus paid that price, teach them that if they'll believe that and call on him, he'll save them. So there's teaching that we got to do even with the lost to show them the way to salvation. But I like, I like what Leon Morris pointed out. Listen, listen to this. <clears throat> the master is not giving a command that will merely secure a nominal adherence to a group. The master is not giving a command that will merely secure a nominal, okay, you know the word nominal, just like casual, loose adherence to a group. The master is not giving a command that will merely secure a nominal adherence to a group, but one that will secure a wholehearted commitment to a person. Now, do you feel the difference? Does this make a difference? It most certainly does. Because we cannot be satisfied just by cards being filled out. Okay, I want to I be careful right here because I don't want to discourage anybody from soul winning. Um, but I, I'm concerned when somebody comes back and says, hey, we knocked all these doors and we saw five people saved this morning. Well, that, hey, every time I hear that, I rejoice in it. But, but wait a minute, where are they? If, they're gen, if they were generally born again, Something ought to have changed. 
And I realize people are going to struggle getting in church. And in fact, for anybody to wake up on a Sunday morning before 8 o'clock is a miracle. It's going to take some intervention, some supernatural intervention to get them up out of bed. Right. So I get it. But, but I'm concerned that too many times we don't have this make disciples of them. And we're glad just to kind of notch the gospel gun and move on. And we saw five saved this morning, but we never see them in church. Something's not right there. Something's not right there. Easy believism or, or some of these, uh, I don't know, I don't know if the word gimmick works here, but Jesus didn't say, hey, go, go see if you can get them to pray a prayer. That's not what he said. He said, go make disciples of them. Go teach them. Go, go help them to be connected to me. Um, okay, I want to I read you another quote here. Um, a man named Michael Green said this, Jesus is not satisfied with hasty professions of faith. The apostles were not called, the church was not called to, to evoke decisions, but to make disciples. Not just, to, not just to get decisions. Wait a minute, please, everybody listen to this. Not just to get decisions, but to make disciples. And, and then he said this, and that is an altogether tougher assignment. That's a tougher assignment. The Lord has sent us to accept an altogether tougher assignment, and that would be making disciples as a church. As parents, by the way, our goal even in parenting is not just to raise a good kid, but to raise a godly kid that's like Jesus. That's an altogether tougher assignment to make disciples, to help them to be like Jesus. Yes, to lead them to Christ. And it's got to start there. They've got to repent of their sin. They've got to trust Jesus as their Savior. Experience the forgiveness of sin. Be born again. But listen, folks, that is truly just the beginning Jesus said, go, all power is given, go and make disciples, go and teach all nations, baptizing them, okay? But I don't wanna, I wanna, don't wanna hasten beyond this because the fact that he's saying, make disciples of them should register in our hearts and minds, hey, we've gotta help them grow. Well, how do you do that? Well, really, if you just keep reading in the text, the first step then would be baptism, Baptizing them, four key considerations on baptism. Proper candidate, it's gotta be somebody that's saved. That's why we don't baptize infants. It's gotta be somebody that's understood salvation and trusted Christ as their savior. It's gotta be the proper meaning. It's not for salvation, but rather it pictures the fact that our sins have been cleansed. It doesn't wash away sin. It, it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Proper meaning, proper mode. It's gotta be by immersion. Deep water. The Bible says they went down into the water and, and, and Philip baptized him. It's, it's deep water. I know, I know that you know that, but, but listen, hey, listen, we're Baptists. We got to emphasize what the Bible says. And the word baptize means immersion. And it pictures death. So when you bury somebody, you don't just sprinkle a little dirt on them. No, you bury them. I'm getting ready to baptize Brother Caleb Hayes right over here. He came to me last Last Sunday, I think it was, and was so excited that he got saved. Raise your hand, Brother Caleb, right over here. He trusted Jesus as his Savior. He's about to be baptized. He's going to go under the water, and then we're going to bring him back up. 
because it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A proper meaning. But also, this is very important, the proper authority. Jesus did not give the authority to baptize to um, a parachurch organization. He did not give it to a dad. He did not give it to a mom. He did not give it to a college. He did not give it to a ministry. He did not give it to an individual. He gave it to the church. Proper authority. So very vitally important. Baptist church at that, and, and one that is identifying with the doctrine because it would, that person is identifying with that body of doctrine. Hey, don't minimize how important baptism is. And every child that we see saved, and every teenager that we see saved, and every adult that we see saved, we've got to take it full circle and help them understand what baptism is and to be baptized. It's part of the, the Great Commission. Is the Great Commission fulfilled when they get saved? No. Is the Great Commission fulfilled when they get baptized? No. They've got to be taught. And thus that brings us to verse number 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, which means the end of the age, end of time. He's all, he's gonna, he, which means this, he's with us tonight. That's what that means teaching them. As I've already mentioned, I've already preached a little bit of this, but our Lord told us to teach those that get saved and baptized. Teach them. Teaching them. Look at it. It's an ING word. It's in the present tense. It has this idea, ongoing. How long is this supposed to last? How long is a planted class? About 12, 13 weeks? Ah, that'll do it. No. No, not if we're, look at the verse again, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Well, what all did Jesus command us? Well, if all we had to teach was just the gospel of Matthew, it'd be enough for us to be in church on a regular basis. I mean, seriously, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount alone would, would constitute a four-year Bible degree. Is that right? I mean, we, we went through that fairly quick. Could we spend more time? Could we, could we still be on the Sermon on the Mount? Or do you say, nah, I pretty well got that one down. No. Hey, you know what? As I, as I thought about this, and then, and then you look, okay, then you got the remainder of the New Testament and all that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, and then all that Paul wrote that comes out of what Jesus commanded. Is that right? And would it also help you understand all this as well? The Old Testament, that's the backbone and, and leading up to this. So I imagine that probably to, to preach and teach a book like that, it probably merits being in church your whole life. In fact, I think it merits us uh, giving serious attention to the services that take place here. I think it merits a sermon and not a sermonette, right? No, I'm not trying to validate long-winded preaching. That's not my intent, but it's this. Hey, if we're gonna be faithful to the great commission given to us by our Savior, and we're gonna teach all things that he commanded us, hey, and by the way, when they were in the New Testament, they gathered every day. And they were teaching every day, preaching every day. 
So the essence of your discipleship, if you think about it only as Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's not enough. It's teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. All things. I mean, listen, folks, that, that's a lot of material that you, we've got to get across. And, and so as your pastor, I don't mind to tell you, I'm still learning. And you're still learning. I'm still in discipleship class with Jesus. How about you? I want to be more like him. I, I want you to be more like him. We want to be more like him. That's why we're here on a Sunday night. That's why we gather on a Wednesday night. Hey, listen, that's why we maybe you do some one-on-one -on -one discipleship. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why we run buses. And, and a lot of the discipleship doesn't take place behind a pulpit. It takes place as you're sitting on, the, on a seat with a child in, on the bus or, or sitting downstairs in the basement trying to help some sixth graders or, or upstairs on the third floor trying to help some seventh and eighth graders. Hey, that's it's all discipleship, see. And those of you that teach in, in a Christian school, that's discipleship. Those of you that are parents, that's discipleship. Teaching them to observe. Look at that word, observe. The word observe means this, keep or keep or to pay attention to. Teaching them to pay attention to. Pay attention to. That means this, you ought not be talking during the preaching time. To your friends. That means you ought not be checking the score no matter what week it is in your fantasy football. <clears throat> Hello? Hello? That means you don't listen to preaching with your head down. That means you don't listen to preaching <laughs> like you're being tortured. <laughs> no. Hey, listen, God's got some things to teach you. That means you need to sit up. That means you need to pay attention. That means you don't need to be passing notes or checking your phone and texting. No, you need to be all in on this. This is not man's ideas that we're looking at and drawing out. And, and by the way, hey, I, I don't want to feel the pressure. And I know that you're not putting that pressure on, on the preacher or the, anybody that preaches up here. Listen, we can't make the basis of this entertainment. I am not an entertainer. I am not, thank you. I am not, I am not, I am not entertaining. Hey, it doesn't mean that you can't have a good time when you're in church and God can't use humor. And in fact, they said to Charles Spurgeon, somebody was kind of critical of him and said, you use too much humor in your messages. He said, actually, if you knew how much I was holding back, you'd rather commend me. God's not opposed to humor. I don't think so at all, but it doesn't need to be a stand-up comedian routine up here. No, you need the Word of God. I need the Word of God. Somebody's got to teach it. Somebody's got to apply it. Somebody's got to show what it is. And it's not all easy. you got to dig in and, and see what these words mean and see how it all fits together. Hey, English alone is hard sometimes. Can I get an amen right there? But we got to dig in and see what God is saying to us. And this is not all about entertainment. We're living with too much of an entertainment mentality and it affects the church. And, you're, and we're living in a society where everything is just three second attention spans. So let me commend you for having a 45 minute long attention span. If you've paid attention so far for 45 minutes, how long have I been preaching? But anyways, you've, you've paid attention. Hey, I commend you on that. But listen, let's not have that, that entertainment mentality that, well, I'm not going to listen unless he's funny. No, how about you listen because it's biblical and you need it and you want to grow and you want to love him more, see? 
teaching them to observe. But the idea is not just gaining knowledge. When Jesus says observe, the idea is actually this, that they might obey. You see, it's about a lifestyle with him. It's about a way of life. You and I, listen, listen, young people, you are to be his disciple, which means you're to walk in his way of living. Adults, you're to walk in his way of living. We're to observe these things. The Bible is given not just for information, but for transformation. What we read, what we take in, is supposed to have a daily impact on our lives. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to go to the trouble of teaching them to observe and obey everything that I've commanded you on how to love one another, how to forgive one another, how to help one another, how to serve one another, and what doctrine is. Teach them to observe all these things. Now, folks, that's going to take some work. That's going to take some time. That's going to take some repetition. I guarantee you, all of us, we didn't learn a lesson all at one time. You need to hear it again and again and again. And every now and then just be reminded of some things. Lest we should let them slip. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then I love this. And lo or behold, I am with you always. I love what um, G. Campbell Morgan said. He went to an elderly person's home that was in the church. I believe that he was pastoring at the time. And Warren Wiersbe recorded this. But anyways, uh, he went to the home and he read this passage to this dear elderly saint that had been walking with God for many years. And he said to her, you know, lo, I'm with you always. And he, and he said this to her. He said, ma'am, isn't that a wonderful promise? And she, she quickly responded this way and said, it's not a promise. It's a fact. He did not say, lo, I will be with you when you need me. No, he said it this way. Lo, I am with you. Do you feel the difference? Those of you that just met in the Sunday school teacher meeting with Brother, Brother Carl, uh, hey, listen, you, you, you need to be reminded, you don't teach that class alone. He helps you teach. I'm glad I don't preach alone. Now, when I go it on my own, I'm on my own, but he's still here with me. But I'm thankful for the times and the ways that he, he helps. And those of you that sing, you don't sing alone. Those of you that work a bus route, you don't work that bus route alone. Hey, I'm telling you folks, listen, we are inadequate to see somebody saved, to see them get on the right path, to see their life change. Hey, we can't make that happen. But he says, all power is given unto me and I am with you always to the end of the earth, Amen. into the world, always with us. You know, it's wonderful. The book of Matthew really has bookends. In chapter number one and verse number 23, the angel said his name shall be called, and he's quoting out of Isaiah, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at the very end of it, the last words that Jesus said in Matthew's account were, I am with you, Emmanuel. Amen. Parents, you don't parent alone. He'll help you raise some disciples. Teenagers, hey, you're not alone in this. Hey, the teenage years are not easy, are they? They're not easy. I don't know if you're just coming into them or you're in the middle of them or you're trying to get out of them. They're not easy. But I'm telling you with him, it can be a wonderful experience. I never regretted a day in my teenage years having given it to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I got a bunch of them that I regret that I live for myself. He can help you get through. He can help you get through the junior high years and high school years without all the drama that all the other friends have. That's a blessing. 
You're not alone in this. Those of you that maybe don't have a dad or a mom that's here, you got a God that saved you and he's with you everywhere you go. Teach them. Teach them so that the next generation will have it. We reach them because he reached us. We teach them because he's teaching us. At first I said, because he taught us. But then I thought, wait a minute, he's not done. He's still teaching. I still need to be a learner. You still need to be a learner. You need to be a disciple. I want, I want you to stop and think right now. Are you his disciple? Do you want to be with him and attach yourself to him? Would you, if Jesus were here tonight, would you say, could I attach myself to you and follow you and do whatever you want me to do? That's the way that we ought to be about discipleship. Do you want that? By the way, you'll be somebody's disciple. You'll follow someone or something. Something's going to get your attention. You're going to say, man, that's what I want to be. How about you look at Jesus and say, I want to be like him. I want to be his disciple. Teach them. Teach them. Let's not let new believers try it on their own. Let's not let teenagers try it on their own. By the way, they need adult inter intervention. Yes. Um, yep. They need adult involvement. Boy, it was a blessing to go downstairs in the sixth grade and see Brother Ben Davis teaching a group. His door was still open. I didn't bother the other two, but his door was still open. And I looked in there. I saw some of the sixth graders that, that I got to meet and know during vacation Bible school. And they were still in church. Thanks. And glory be to God. Those riding the bus and also those that growing up in church. Hey, listen, by the way, growing up in church doesn't mean you don't need somebody to teach you. It's got to get past to the next generation. But Delane shared with me some things from his mom, and I mentioned it this morning, but um, some evidence that she had a real walk with God. And I'm just praying that God would raise up Southwest Baptist Church, another generation of Tully and Joyce Owens. Owen, sing, no S, but Owen's plural. You follow me? <laughs> this is a VHS tape of Bob Hughes. Bob Hughes was pastoring down in Springdale, Arkansas, and married, uh, did the wedding ceremony for Tully and Joyce Owen. This is a VHS tape. I don't know if you've ever seen one before, teenagers, but it's, like, <laughs> it's pretty cool you put it in. <laughs> Anyways, it goes from real to real. I haven't had a chance to watch this, but uh, started, I started it. It's dated, big time. <laughs> but uh, there's a generation right here that had a heart for the mission field. Oh, we need that same heart for the mission field. He gave me a few other things that this is uh, 1991. She has written out here, you know, like we put on the screen at the missions conference all the different Sunday school classes. Evidently ahead of time, she wrote them all down. Happy Hands, Happy Hands was the ministry of the, the uh, sign language ministry way back in the 80s. I didn't know that name, but Happy Hands and the nursery, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, kindergarten. <laughs> wrote them all out, all the way down to, you know, the crusaders and real people and then out to the side, what amount they gave for Faith Promise Missions. That's 1991, here's 1992. <laughs> 
I've got 1995. I've got a few others that she had. Hey, it meant something to her. This is the, uh, the celebrating the 50th anniversary of Southwest Baptist Church. You know, before long, we'll be celebrating the 75th. You know, that's on the horizon. We've already got some plans kind of in the works for that. The 75th anniversary. This is the 50th. It's got pictures front and back. It's got a picture of the Jonathan Scruggs with the flat top. Pretty awesome. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably, I don't know, eight years old here, nine years old. It's awesome. I love it. Sorry, I'm not stuck on the flat top. I'm, I'm thinking about some other people here. <laughs> Gene Kramer. Jim Lewis. Juanita Weston. And then some that are still here. Cliff Garvey. <laughs> These that I've mentioned, those that don't know, they're in heaven now. But Phil Tolmy. Looking pretty young. Dean Howard singing bass. Bobby Garrett. Brother Wade and Brother Phil together. Hey, this is, uh, this is our church family here. And I'm thankful that it's continuing on. But it's only going to continue if we'll teach by example. And, and it's going to take some intentionality about it as well. Intentionally teaching. And then uh, there's this brochure here, probably from the late 80s, I think. And it's got a picture of the church building on the front. Um, it doesn't have this educational wing, so it shows growth. Brother Bert Harrison, Brother Bruce, your dad, and some words about him. Brother Bill Chevron, and, and a word about the assistant pastor and his role, and the bus ministry, Brother Larry Moff, and and uh, some pictures there. I don't think we still have any of those buses, Billy Kevin, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> Floyd Sheck Schneider, the music that's going on here, real people, looting, Beverly Smith, youth ministry, uh, college and career, harvesters class had just started, for the Eldon Langston, <laughs> Happy Hands, Children's Churches, other ministries listed all. Hey, God's been doing a work. I sure want to see it continue. And I believe it will if we'll stay true to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And we see it as our responsibility to share the gospel, see people saved, see them baptized, and then teach them. Father, thank you this evening. Some dear people represented here in these publications, some dear people represented before me, a new generation growing up at Southwest. I pray you'd help us to have the right heart and mind about that. I pray that you'd bless this invitation. I pray that you'd help us to think about somebody that we could teach. Lord, you've already put some things in my own heart personally, some ways at home to apply this and some ways here at church. But I pray that you'd help us to be intentional, dear Lord, about trying to help someone else. It may be someone older than us, but God, for sure, somebody that we could help as we get our help from you. And Lord, we want to be constantly learning from you. 
to be a disciple, a follower, attaching ourselves to you, learning. Help us to have that heart, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.